Welcome to the Painting of the Week podcast, where we look at some of the most significant paintings throughout history. Introducing your hosts, Phil Grabsky and Laura Bentham. Can we ask a question now? Can I ask a question? You start by asking a question. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're going to start this week with a question <laughs> from Laura. From Laura. Should we say who quickly, first of all, who he is, and then my question might become more relevant? Um, okay. Uh, well, Alfred Sisley is a French born to British parents. Um, Impressionist painter of the late 19th century. Okay, great. So the, the, one, the question I was asking, and I don't know if you're going to know the answer to this question, Phil, but do you have any idea why some Impressionists were way more famous than others? Because it was a small <clears throat> group. Yeah. And it seems that there's some that just really way more famous and I, when you actually sort of collect the work all together they're not going to like me for saying this but there's some of the paintings there's not a lot in it is there mm. they're, they're, they're sort of similar with the with this you know obviously their impression is that's the whole idea so I think that's a really interesting question so oh good <laughs> of that group let's say it's, I mean, it's more than a dozen the most famous is going to be Monet mm. Manet mm. Even though some people obviously get them confused because their names are so similar. Yeah. Cezanne, one of our most popular films. Renoir, um, De- Degas. Mm-hmm. So these these are the big names. And you always met, uh, you always mention Pissarro. Well, see, I think Pissarro is is to some extent with Sicily and Bert Morisot, Bert as in B E R T H E, a woman. Mary Cassatt, that we've talked about in another podcast, um, in that they are not quite as well known. So right now, we're doing a big, big biograph- biographical film about Camille Pissarro, yeah. who is known as the father of, of Impressionism, that he's a bit like Haydn, the other composers like Mozart and Beethoven looked up to him as the, you know, as Papa Haydn, as Mozart <laughs> called him. Well, that's quite cute. But maybe they're not quite as famous to the general public. And it's always interesting to look why. Now, I guess the first answer would be maybe their art is not quite as good. Yeah. Okay, that's that's quite subjective. And I must say, if I was offered the choice of a Monet or a Sicily, I probably would take a Monet. There is something... Slightly more powerful about it, but I, but it's also the it's also the vagaries of the market. Mm. For various reasons, certain artists that have been pushed harder or whose value has gone up, they get talked about more. It can sometimes be that their biographies are just more. You know, I, I do think that biography affects the way you look at the painting. Yeah, I think so too. I think usually in a positive way, but sometimes knowing a person's biography will also affect your interpretation. I'll give an example. I, yesterday I went to the late Constable exhibition at the Royal Academy. I saw that. And knowing the life story of Constable's wife, Maria, who over a period of a few short years 
I always think that's a funny phrase, a year is a year. But over only a few <laughs> years, she dies of tuberculosis. Mm. Now, at that time, you can see some really dark, gloomy paintings. So, it's you know, you find yourself putting two and two together. He's painting, see, Hadley, Hadley Hall, I think it is, in what is in, in Essex. And it's dark and you think that's just reflecting his mood. Yeah. We don't know that for sure. No. It might just have been a grey day. But in some ways, I find it more interesting. I've always said, for me, the music of Mozart's more powerful because I know his biography. Right. So, but what, can I have one more question? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have an impressionist that you like more than the others? Um, actually, well, hmm. Should we come back to it after? No, the well, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to exclude anybody, but... Mm. As a result of making the films, I think before I started the Monet film, there was a slight sense of Monet that um, I would never call any impressionist chocolate box, but that, you know, the lily ponds, and yeah. the, it was perhaps a little bit, um, well, let me put it another way. When I, again, when I started reading his letters, that whole film was based on his letters. Yeah. And really started looking at his paintings. I just thought he is the most incredible painter. Mm. And there's so much narrative in these works. And it's not just a pretty woman and a nice child walking through a field of poppies. It's, it's so much more to him. And actually syncing up his life story with the paintings, um, I, I, I really grew to think he's a, you know, a master, a master craftsman, okay. a master artist. But that also happened, and actually, it always happens. At the end of every film, I think this is the greatest, greatest artist ever lived. This is the one. Yeah, I mean, it happened with you know um, Leonardo not so long ago. And, but oh, that's so good, isn't it? That does happen because when you get, like you say, when you watch a documentary or something, yeah. you just get really inspired. You do, and that's lovely. The other one where it really happened, and actually, from. I used to say that Caravaggio was my favourite artist, but I, mm. I, I hesitate now because when I made the film about Cezanne and you look at the complexity of what he does, right? Yeah, it is staggering. When you really look at one of his paintings, the amount of brush strokes, which are so tiny, yeah. the different colour, the palette. And again, his, ex his experimentation, his the emotion in those paintings, I... I yeah, okay. It's too but, hard. To, it's like music, isn't it? But it's I wouldn't. too hard. It is too hard. Yeah. It is too hard. And it's like, I, I used to get asked this all the time, mm. who do you prefer, Mozart yeah, or Beethoven? Yeah. Depends what mood you're in. Depends what mood you're in. Yeah. 100%. Although, I think if I was taking one work of art with me to my desert island, it would be the works of Mozart. Okay. Now... <laughs> I wouldn't, in thinking about who's my favourite artist, I wouldn't have thought of Sisley. But he is a very, very fine artist. Yeah, it's great. And he has a very... He does have an interesting background. His parents... His father was a merchant uh, or dealer in silk, I think, and his mother was a music connoisseur. One of them had a French parent, so there is a connection to France, but he is born in Paris, but of these British expat mm -hmm. parents and 
I do know a bit. He gets sent back to Britain, but he wants to be a painter, and he comes back to France. Yep. And he joins a, a, a studio, which I've come across in other films. Um, in 1862, it's a guy called Glare, G-L-E-Y-R-E. Or probably if I pronounce it pro- pro- properly, I would roll the R's, Glare. <laughs> um, but this I'll leave be- you to that for sure. <laughs> Something like that. Um, but in that studio, he meets Monet, he meets Renoir, he meets Bazille. Uh, and of course, it's these things. These people are hugely influential. Oh yeah. So they all start painting together, and in particular, of course, <clears throat> they go outside. Mm. This is that moment when artists can won't go through it again. Everyone listening to these podcasts must know by now. Yes, paint is now in tubes that allows people to go outside. <laughs> and Argentoy. So these these little. If you look on the map around Paris now. <clears throat> They've kind of been absorbed by, you know, greater metropolitan Paris. But you see these kind of villages and towns like Argentoy, which were outside of Paris. And you could get on a carriage, but this is also the time of of the railroads. Railroads are changing France and Paris very rapidly. Mm. Um, That actually is a road bridge that we can see in this painting. By the way, the painting is on the 7th-art.com website. Uh, it's called the Bridge at Argentoy from 1872. So that bridge is a road bridge, but he might have gone to Argentoy by train because that's certainly how some of the artists went. So they would basically get their tubes and put their easel on their back and the brushes in their pocket and some tubes of paint. Away they go. Fantastic freedom. It's a bit like when we as filmmakers about 20 years ago, camera the camera technology improved very rapidly so we could just go anywhere with small cameras. Yeah, yeah. Now, in my case, I went to Afghanistan. I wouldn't have done that if I'd been filming on film with a crew of five yeah. and a big box yeah. of film. So technology always has an impact on, on creative people. Now, what is interesting about this painting and why, you know, you can imagine, yes, Monet's and others have just painted fields, but... As an artist, I think it's just so natural, isn't it, to go and paint a river? Yeah, because for sure. you've got all these different textures. Mm-hmm. There's so much activity. So you've got land-based activity, water-based activity. You've got a bridge connecting everything, and people going across, you know, across the picture plane. And then you've got the big skies. And we've talked before, haven't we, about you know Constable and his big skies yeah. and yeah. These ones these these cloud formations, they're sort of more, sort of just a bit more delicate, really, aren't they? Or are they, or are they actually a bit crap? No, I don't know. <laughs> they're not the greatest clouds, are they? I really? wouldn't like to say that, but no, I don't know now. Now you said that, Phil. <laughs> I suppose if you were looking at, we were looking at Constable the other week. Well, we don't want to, that. we don't want to pretend that everything we look at is a masterpiece. No. I don't think those clouds are great, actually. Okay, they could be. Looks like little puffs of smoke from a train. In fact, I've never. You're s- right. Have you ever seen clouds like that? Ah, oh, no. Actually, now you say it. Oh dear. We don't want to upset Sisley fans. Was um. No, but on the other hand, the water is fantastic. It certainly is. I mean, I, I'm always amazed because I'm not a painter. These guys start with a blank canvas. <laughs> I'm definitely not a painter. But into that canvas, he's created 
Absolutely, that sense of that river. Yeah. And it, and it, there's nothing two-dimensional about this. It's completely three-dimensional, this painting. Yes. It's brilliantly done. It is. It is. I mean, I do love that house, actually, that little... Yeah. Sort of sh- well, it's probably not a shed. Well, but, uh, yeah. Well, it could be the kind of little shed outside the house where that guy's going with all his fishing implements. Mm. He was known for his landscapes, wasn't he? And most of them, actually, are probably a bit greener than this. Because when you actually look at the the riverbank there, mm. it's it's not it's not the it's actually probably not the most colourful. Well, of paintings, good good spot. He's actually known <laughs> he's actually known for fairly pale. Oh, colours. is he? Okay, yeah. pale blues, pale greens, and actually, I think that's one of the things that doesn't really draw me to them. Mm-hmm. That visceral pleasure you get from some of the other impressionists, yeah. And particularly somebody, when you get to somebody like Van Gogh, you know. Well, exactly. Absolutely pure colour, straight mm. out of the tube. Um, and there's a real delight in, 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 in colour. This, is, this isn't quite like that. This is... So that's maybe why he wasn't... It's almost like... A, I mean, I'd not heard of him. It's almost like pastel. You know? Yeah, yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't heard of him at all. Which is why I was saying, isn't it funny how with the Impressionists there were those ones, the big, mm. outstanding ones, and then like, never, absolutely never heard of Sisley at all. He does change. Uh, mm. He does become more colourful. Um, I, I always notice Sisley because you have these fantastically, you know, they, they just seem very French names. Yeah. So even Mary Cassatt feels like a French name, yeah. Renoir and Cezanne and Monet and Manet and Pissarro and then Alfred Sisley. It's like, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but do you know, because you paint this painting, Phil, have you seen it? Or did you just look through his work and think, oh, that, oh I quite like that one? This painting is actually mm. in Memphis. <clears throat> oh. And I've never been to Memphis and I haven't seen it. Live, no. Um, well, every time we do a podcast, we always want to end up, oh, I totally would love to go to Memphis. Oh, our list. It's getting worse, but I would really like to go there. <laughs> the reason I chose it actually was because um, so many of these artists that we mentioned, this Impressionist group, went to Argentoy. Argentoy is, well, com- oh, okay. comes up again and again. You know, some of these painters are doing hundreds of oh. paintings and they must have been bumping into each other. Um, you know, and somebody like Monet. What I mean, Monet's life was getting up at dawn. Yeah, he'd sometimes go out. You know, he might go somewhere for a month, leave his wife behind, who had numerous <laughs> children and stepchildren to look after, with mm. not much money because they were poor. Monet would go away for a month, and he would stay in a, in a boarding house somewhere get up first thing in the morning, he'd take maybe two or three easels with him. He'd find a spot by a river, by Rouen Cathedral, in a field of grain stacks by the sea, set up one, two, three, four easels. Okay. Because oil paints have to dry and he's Mm. trying to capture a moment. So he'd he'd be working on multiple paintings. And there's a wonderful story in the Monet film about how he's painting in... uh, by the sea, the Etretat. Anyway, he's painted by the sea, 
and he gets hit by a wave and all of a sudden he's tumbling and he's, <laughs> and he's really annoyed because when he pulls the painting out all the paints and you know yeah but he could have sold that washed. one couldn't he oh, he, could, he could sell anything exactly someone would have come along and been like oh, he could sell, sell a he's napkin done, he's done something new yeah. <laughs> this is this is truly, a truly impressionistic <laughs> Well, not one of these wave pictures. Some of Van Gogh's paintings, well, not only Van Gogh, some of Van Gogh's paintings, you, you can physically see the sand that's blown into the paint. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because, um, I mean, oil paint has to dry. So, yeah, it's like ages. Mm. Um, and um, so Argentoy was one of these places that they would go to to very quickly get out of the city and, and, and paint, and there was probably a nice cafe there. I was just about to say that. I bet there was a brilliant cafe. I'm sure that they've all been sitting there having a lovely time. Yeah, um, but that was the reason they went. Really, uh, he <laughs> Sicily. the bridge. Sis, this is quite an interesting moment for Sicily because um, 1870, mm. the Franco-Prussian War breaks out, which is bad news for France because they get defeated. Yeah, we should bear in mind that France and Germany fought three wars between 1870 and 1945. And um, we think, we, we know two of them, but we forget the first one, which was the Franco-Prussian War, yeah. um, which caused a lot of artists to go abroad. But before that happens, Sicily's father, his business goes belly up, basically. Oh. And from that moment on, Sicily is basically a very impoverished painter for the rest of his life, because his paintings didn't sell as well. No. As, um, but he I, stayed in France, did he? Because he, he did go back to England well, for a while, didn't he? 1870, he goes back. Ah, oh, yeah. As did other artists. Because mm. he did a few of the Thames, didn't he? Thames, Hampton Court. Ah, mm. oh, Hampton Court, yeah. But again, referring, referencing yesterday when I went to the late Constable. Mm. So Constable's painted, you know, when these artists like Cicely, Monet, Pissarro, when they came to England, because they were forced to. Yes. Because they were fleeing the war fleeing the possibility of being conscripted, whatever it was. They are, 1870, they're already thinking about this this way of painting. But then, plausibly, for the first time in their lives, they see the works of Turner and Constable. Oh, that's right, yeah. And they are absolutely knocked sideways, because mm. Turner and Constable are doing stuff, talk about capturing light. Yeah. The fleeting effects of light. I mean, Constable and Turner are so, so far ahead. Um, Sicily too. Yes. And, all right, I'm a bit disparaging about these clouds, but, I mean, you can't look at a, a series of Constable's works without realising that sometimes half the canvas is clouds, two-thirds of the canvas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, clouds were hugely important to, to Constable, as they were to Turner, or skies were to Turner. So... Um, yeah, because when we looked at that painting the other day of Constable... The Gleaners. Yes. Yeah. There wasn't actually a lot in it, what well, we said. Whereas Sisley yeah. has got loads in it. In fact, that's... I mean, he's really he's really gone, gone for it here. In fact, yesterday in this exhibition, there must have been, I'm guessing, 50 or 60 paintings. Yeah. Only a handful were less dense, were, were less spartan than the one we looked at. Actually. Oh, really? Usually, oh, okay. usually there's so much detail. Yeah, OK. It's quite interesting, that one in Brighton, the Gleams. Well, once again, then, it's because his wife wasn't well. Maybe, Maybe he had to get back to her. Yeah, he probably... Look after her and things. He's yeah. probably taken him an hour to walk up the hill. Yeah, it's, it's quite a way. He's probably got a couple of hours to do his painting. Yeah. 
Or at least get enough of a sketch down that you can finish it back in the yeah. in the house. In yeah, the and he really loved Sil- her. So he just wanted to get back, maybe. So, yeah. Whereas Cicely, looks like he didn't want to get back. He was too busy in the cafe on this one. <laughs> he's getting, he's got everything in this. <laughs> he's got the little, the, the little boat to the left, two there's boats a, to the left. There's a lot going on, really. There is. Who's... Is that that's is that a fisherman coming up there? So from left, if we go, if we go left, yes. So okay, let's have a look at this. So you <laughs> close your eyes. You're going to get busy now. <laughs> close your eyes. You open your eyes. Yep. And <laughs> I find I find I am drawn to the river. I'm totally drawn to the river. So we go to the river. We go to that brightest spot of the whole painting, which is the um, sail. Mm. So we go. My eye goes along the little jetty to the moored up rowing boat then we go there's a couple of spots of white pinky white in the water it takes me not that I need much taking to the sail yeah now the sail is pointing up at that first cloud don't know how deliberate this is but those first clouds kind of go left to right yeah I mean certainly they feel odd if they went right to left so they go up and they kind of then skirt around that kind of whitey cloud but then it gets a bit Fractured. Maybe that's why I'm a bit uncomfortable with the clouds, because then my eyes a bit unhappy halfway across. So then I drop down. This all sounds very formulaic, doesn't it? But this is just what I'm doing now. Yeah. My eye then drops down to the bridge. <laughs> so the bridge is at that point in the distance, but visibly, visibly legible enough. You look carefully. There's obviously looks like there's some buildings on the left side. In fact, that is Argentoy, I know on the left and there's another town here on the right so the bridge is connecting Argentoy and another place yeah so over there's Argentoy and then you cross the bridge and I'm looking at it really closely now I don't know whether you can see anything on it no no but he has hinted at it well Maybe. it feels like it it feels like something's going on mm. Then, actually, I'd not noticed this before. You have a boat that's moored, which has a, which is painted white. Yeah, a little bit of white. So, otherwise, I guess if it wasn't painted white, it wouldn't stand out at all. Very strong, very stark mast. You've got the hills, with a little bit of sun catching the hill on the left as we're looking. And is that other boats behind the white one, the tiny little white one? There are some more boats down yeah. there, and a little building by the bridge, which is very finely done, actually. Easy to miss, kind of grey square building. Okay, then you got the guy, as we mentioned him before, definitely a fisherman. Yes. Seems to be heading back to that little hut, which is maybe where he keeps his fishing rods and his rowing boat. Yeah. He's surrounded by that picket fence, a little tree. And again, the trees kind of echo, these trees, the clouds kind of echo the movement of him up the hill and the, the, the buildings themselves. There's almost like two pictures in some ways, isn't it? You've got the picture on the left, picture on the right. I mean, it's a lovely painting. I mean, it's, it's kind, no, of, di- nothing, kind yeah. of diagonals rather than circles, yeah. isn't it? There's nothing, nothing not to like, really. It's a sweet painting. It's, it's, it's a sweet painting of an artist experimenting, isn't it? Yes. I mean, this is two years before the Impressionist exhibition in 1874. Right. So these guys are trying out this new way of painting, and it was radical. It was revolutionary. So was this, this was must, was one of his beginning ones, was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
I mean, he's he's. I suppose maybe if you know, you're he's, in he's the, thirty-two, in that group. thirty-three, he wouldn't have yeah. felt. He would have felt like, bearing in mind that people died younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wouldn't have felt. He would have felt time on his shoulder, really. But also, if you were in that group, wouldn't you want to play it a bit safe? To <laughs> you don't want to go completely crazy, uh, and then be and then then be too critical of your work if you were within that group. Well, it is interesting. I mean, I this is radical. This is revolutionary. Mm. But there's still there are still limits. Yeah. And the dealer Paul de Ron Noel, for example, who was quite a conservative Catholic guy, but he bought up as many of Degas and Manets and Monets as he possibly could. Oh, right. But for him, for example, Van Gogh was like one step too far. He was too out there. Oh really? Yeah. So, oh okay. And of course, beyond Van Gogh, yeah, that we call a post-impressionist, mm. you start getting into abstraction. Mm-hmm. Blocks of colour, and in fact, even when there's no narrative, there's no, you're not. Um, again, we've talked about abstract artists in, in previous podcasts, Howard Hodgkin, for example. Yeah, oh, I love Howard Hodgkin. Although not the painting we did, because that, but I mean, there are other paintings which are just blocks of colour, Bridget, yeah. Bridget Riley, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, shame our ancestors didn't, but this weren't involved in buying art. Oh, can you imagine a film? Just one of these. One of these, so good. Especially if they bought some of the, like, bangle. That see, one right out there. <laughs> you see that Frida Kahlo that was sold last week, the most expensive Frida Kahlo ever sold in Europe, $34 oh, really? million. Dollars. Do you know which one it was? Uh, oh. The picture of the painting of it is her, and on mm. her forehead she's got a, she's done a drawing. I don't, actually, not really one. I don't actually think it's that wonderful, if I'm honest. No. But there's a painting of Diego Rivera on her oh, forehead. Okay. Which is really obviously all I think about is Diego Rivera. Yeah, okay. It was a bit blunt. 34 million. 34 million. Okay. I mean, Cicely would go, I mean, I'm guessing that Cicely would not be an inexpensive artist to buy. No, not at Um, all. And as you've mentioned, his great love was landscapes. And in fact, somewhere I've read that he painted, which is extraordinary actually, he painted more landscapes than any other Impressionist artist. Yeah. And when you yeah. think about how many landscapes a Cezanne did or a Monet did, mm. that's going something I can only assume that somebody has added it all up because yeah. I'm not going to. But oh, that, come on, Phil. But that does tell me that Cicely <laughs> was prolific. I have to say there's something... I also think there's something um, a little bit safe about doing landscapes. So I know as a filmmaker <laughs> that... It's a really nice day out when I have to go into the countryside and film landscapes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's challenging and you try and you know, you 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 walk you know, you got a, a lot of predecessors have done a similar thing, so you're trying to paint you're trying to film best way you possibly can and better than others have done it. But it's certainly easier than going down to the heart of a city yes. to film, you know, crowds and people and you mm. know, it's less so this is also quite yeah pleasant thing to do, isn't it? And it, also, you can take your time. It's not you're dealing with a subject that's just sitting there. They've yeah. then got to jiggle about a bit. Yeah. And uh, I mean, have, have a break. It isn't. I mean, it's got to be said. I mean, there wasn't wasn't a huge tradition of landscape painting in the history of art to this point. Right. You know, it was often about the telling. Impressions te- it was all about, that. Yeah. Ah. Oh yeah. Well, them and. Like the school before them, 
but pretty much, it's, I mean, in a Leonardo, you might have a portrait of a woman, and in the background, there'd be a little bit of landscape. But land, for landscapes for landscape's sake. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, there's a similar story with classical music that um, music used to accompany the voice. And it's really in the 18th century where you start to get symphonies, which is just music without voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, as, and it was considered to be a, a new way of communicating with God directly. Um, wow. and, I, and there's definitely something about the landscape, which is about <laughs> respecting the extraordinary world in which we live. Yeah. And reflecting that without necessarily having to mediate through the portrait of a duke or a noble or a mm. rich woman or um, it is more and of course one of the great things about impressionist art is when and in some ways maybe it's well anyway it's, it's, it's plausibly what be one's favorite but when they start painting those examples of modern the modern world so railway stations yeah and you know boulevard and but with the landscape was were they i mean maybe it wasn't commissioned either so it's just done more for was it uh, more done more for pleasure? That's another big change. I mean, these guys are painting. Mate, some might. I mean, sometimes they have an eye on the market. Yeah. You know, people incorrectly assume Van Gogh never cared about the market. Not true. Mm-hmm. So there's a period when he thought he, his brother had told him his brother was an art dealer. He said, "You know what people want is they want flowers in vases." Okay. Because they want to put it on their walls. <laughs> So Vincent did want to sell paintings. He did want to earn money. So he starts doing flowers in vases. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he I'm did not quite sh- well for it. He did a good job. <laughs> he, well, they were wonderful paintings, well, but he, did, but he did, didn't sell them. No. Now... His brother was useless. <laughs> I don't know that there was much... I don't... I mean, there was no market at this point in Europe for Impressionist work full stop. Right. And certainly not landscapes. No. That comes later. So these guys are not doing this because they think there's a market. They're doing it either to advance their careers because they hope they can get it into the salon. Yes. Which, in fact, Sicily does achieve, um, to have a piece accepted by the salon, the annual salon. Um, but mainly they're doing it because they want to experiment. Okay. And, um, okay. There's also another factor here, which is if, you, if you're outdoors... You've got only what, you know, you've got daylight. Yeah. So there's another advantage of Impressionist works is that you, you, can, you can get it done in a day. You might take your cameras back to the studio and finish it there. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he's got, to, he's got to get on with that. Leonardo could take years because you, <laughs> you don't see the brushstrokes. No. It's, you, you look at a Leonardo painting or a Titian or a, you think, how on, I don't, how on earth have you done that? Um, Cezanne, for example, I mean, he... he I mean, some. I mean, there's one famous portrait where I think he got to 134 sittings. You know, the poor guy. Oh sat, no! Sat for it. Could you so, imagine? Especially if he didn't like it at the end. Well, he's <laughs> just so disappointed. You know, there's one where Suzanne said to the sitter, "I'm going to throw this away. It's not working." And the guy said, "There is absolutely nowhere on this planet you're. I've sat here so long, and he took it. He, he kept it. I bet he did. Well, he did, he did well. Also, he's yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? I know. Or the, now the great great grandchildren or whatever are sitting there with this painting. I did. I did interview a wonderful guy who was um, Picasso's grandson. 
Really? I went to his <laughs> beautiful apartment in Paris. Oh, I love it. And, you know, like I might have a photograph of my kids on the wall, he had Picassos. No. I mean, you know. <laughs> and he only needed two or three, didn't he? <laughs> So, that was so good. He doesn't have the same worries about pensions that you and I might have. Did he just have the? Did he have them with a lot of lights on them and things? Did he have them, or did he just have them on the wall and that was it? It'd be really interesting, wouldn't it? it, it the, there wasn't any specific lighting. Really? No. It was oh, in this, so it did, and this was just. I mean, this was a, this is just his living yeah, room. Yeah. The only room I went into. Um, Probably got a couple more in the bathroom. <laughs> just stuck up on the wall. I know. That's so good. I love it. Oh yeah, they're my grandfathers. Yeah. So um, I don't. I don't know whether um, I don't actually know about Sicily's descendants. No. Um, be interesting to find out. Yeah, but where they are. Mm. Again, right back to your first question. It always is the way that sometimes it's not necessarily a question of of how good somebody is. Sometimes it's just luck. Or yeah. The biography or who they knew or, you know. You, if you talk to art dealers, they'll say that you know paintings with a lot of blue in them sell more sell better than paintings with a lot of red in them. I mean, it's like oh, okay. bigger. Some paint, paintings are priced on on size. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. There's so much more to it. The Mona Lisa is not Leonardo's best painting by any stretch of the imagination, no. but it's the most famous because it was stolen twice. That's um, so funny. So, isn't so there's it? all these things yeah. roll into it. Sicily, for whatever reason, has kind of just gone under the yeah. under the radar a little yeah. bit, but well worth a look. Yes, we need to look at some more. We do. Let's go. Let's go and look at some more, Phil. I think what we need to do is go to Argentoy. Yes. And get a real sense of the yes. location. Find the cafe. Just the question is, do we do that before mm. or after all the other places that we have to go to? <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Painting of the Week podcast. For more information, please visit our website at 7th-art.com or contact us by emailing info at 7th-art.com. See you next time.